Sorry, we got some wind coming in. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Today we're going to continue our sermon series on the book of Colossians. And if you weren't here last week, let me catch you up. The book of Colossians is just a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. And Colossae is located right about here, just to give you a frame of reference. It's right next to Ephesus. You might remember the book to the Ephesians. And it's a city that Paul passes by on his journey but doesn't stop at. And he's been hearing a lot about this church. And one of the things that it seems like concerns him is that they have a false teaching around them. Sorry. I think it's out of the airstream now. So the Colossians have a false teaching that's around them. Somebody is telling them something different than the gospel, different than the gospel that Paul has made his life about. And the group was called the Gnostics. And what they were about is adding something extra to God's word. What they would say is that Jesus is okay, the faith you have is okay, but if you really want to be saved, if you really want to know what it's like to experience God, you need some insider information. You need Jesus plus a little extra, something in addition to the gospel. You see, Paul sees this as dangerous because what they're actually doing is they're lowering the value of the gospel. They're lowering the value of what Christ has done for them. And so he has one thing on his mind when he's writing this letter to the Colossians. Christ is everything. Christ is enough. He's sufficient. You don't need anything extra. Christ is everything. And so last week we saw Paul start the book out and what he focused on is where the Colossians started. He focused on their faith. Christ is their faith. And today, Paul's going to tell us what it means moving forward, that Christ is everything, and he's going to tell us that Christ is our mission. Paul wants to focus on this. Christ is our mission. But what does he mean by that? What do I mean by that? What exactly is a mission? And now, you might hear this word occasionally. Companies have a mission statement, right? Which just tells you how the company is going to move forward. A uh, mission is something that you tell someone when you want them to feel really important about what they're doing, right? You pull them aside and you say, hey, I got a mission for you. Then they're going to feel good about themselves. It's like your wife or your spouse telling you to go shopping. They give you a list and tell you, hey, here's your mission. Our dinner or whatever event we're going to depends on this. If you're anything like me, you get into a little mission mode. And now I'm probably still going to forget something on the list. When I'm running around that grocery store trying to get the list, I feel like a champ, right? I have a mission. And maybe you're thinking of something else. Uh, the youth group just went on a mission trip. The word mission is very closely associated with the church. And today I want to think about that. I want to really think deeply about what a mission means. And if we go back to its root, mission is just a word from the Latin that simply means to send. That's all it means. A mission is just something somebody else sends you to go do. But I think when we use it today, it means a little something more. It goes a little bit deeper than just someone sending you out. See, think about the mission statement of a company. It's not just how they're going to move forward, but they really try to define what that company is all about, right? And if it's a big company, that's a really important deal. Or think about 
what we called it when we tried to get into space, the space mission. I think they were trying to describe all the work, all the excellent achievements that we were going to get to in order to get up into space. You see, when we use it today, mission can mean something bigger. And we can all understand what it's like to be on a mission. No matter how small or how big, we've all been on some sort of mission. We've all been sent out. But even if it does mean something bigger, what is true about almost all of those missions? The one sending us out is usually us. Sending ourselves out or sending someone else out, right? But as a Christian, isn't it different? Don't we have a different kind of mission? Someone different is sending us out. We have different motivations. And so today, let's focus on that. What our mission is as a Christian And that's what the Apostle Paul talks about in his letter to the Colossians. We're still in chapter 1, but he continues by describing a mission, and I think he describes it in a very interesting way. First few verses. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your own minds because of your evil behavior, but now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish, and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you have heard, and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So Paul starts this section by describing what has happened to the Colossians, what's happened in their life. What I really think he's doing is he's describing what happened in our life. You see, weren't we the enemies? Weren't we enemies of God? You might not remember it, but you certainly still feel it. When you think about how your wants, your desires, deep down inside, maybe just in your thoughts, don't line up at all with what God wants. When you feel like that foreigner, the person on the outside, the, God, the person God could never really want because of all that shame and the guilt you carry around on your back, when we think about it, we're the ones who've sinned against God every day. We're the ones who constantly rebel against him by what we say, by what we do. Maybe if you don't think it's that, it's certainly by the thoughts that go through your mind. But God did something amazing. You see, God completely transformed. He completely changed our lives. You see, he wanted to present us as holy, as blameless, as without accusation. You see, what God did is he changed our lives completely. He took us, his enemies, the rebels, the sinners, He made us perfect. Now when he looks at us, he doesn't see that anymore, but he sees us as holy, without a blemish. In God's holy courtroom, we're completely free from any accusation. That's how complete it is. God doesn't want you to have to worry about anything. He's taken care of it all to present you as holy. You see, God made his mission to save you. God wanted to describe you like this, not as his enemy, not 
as a foreigner, even though we are, but as his own precious child. God made it his mission to save you and to save me. But how? How did God go about doing all of this, bringing about this kind of change? We see it in one phrase. By Christ's physical body through death. Wasn't Christ different? Couldn't people tell while he was here on earth that he had a different kind of message? message, a different kind of mission. He rearranged his entire life for you and for me. You see, Christ was the one who didn't fall to any of those temptations that face us every day. Christ is the one who had amazing, unlimited power but only used it for the benefit of the people around him, for the faith of those people that followed him. Christ was perfect, perfect in our place, and it didn't stop there. You see, after his life, towards the end, when he faced suffering, when people started to beat him, to mock him, to spit at him, he didn't give up his mission. He didn't even stop when they started nailing him to a cross, when he was hanging there, dying a slow and painful death, suffocating. Christ didn't even stop his mission when his own father forsook him and left him to die on that cross. You see, Christ made his mission you. Christ rearranged his whole life. Christ did amazing things to save you, for you, so that we could have all of these things that the Apostle Paul is talking about. You are Christ's mission. And now, knowing that, just how much Christ thinks of us, I think it helps us to understand our next passage, which to me was one of the hardest passages to understand in this section. Paul says this, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, which is the church. So to me, when I read this, I thought, how in the world could Christ's affliction be lacking? Actually, how, how could Christ be lacking in any way? And then I realized what Paul was doing. You see, he switched from the example of Christ, and he's now going to talk about himself. And so what Paul is actually doing is he's saying that he is lacking when he compares himself to Christ. There's no way Paul has gone through the amount of suffering, the amount of affliction that Christ has been through. See, this passage makes more sense when you know what Paul's doing. He's using Christ as a scale, something to measure against. It's like setting up a goal for yourself that you know you can't reach because you know in the process you're going to get better. That's what Paul is doing. And because he did that, he learned something unique. Because he did that, his life changed. You see, what he learned is this, what he says in the beginning, which is also confusing to me. Now I rejoice in what I'm suffering. I rejoice in what I'm suffering. You see, Paul learned that he had a mission. And his mission was to do Christ's amazing work. If Christ could do all of that for you, what we just talked about, why couldn't Paul change his life for Christ? And with that, he knew came that suffering. 
but it didn't matter to him because he knew something about a mission. He knew that the lesser mission served the greater. And I think we can all understand this. The lesser mission, even if it involves pain, even if it involves suffering, will serve our greater mission. I mean, how many of us exercise every day so that we can get fit? Maybe eat all the right foods, and by right foods, I mean the ones that aren't so tasty, in order to get the right weight. How many of us will drill into our teeth in order so that we can feel better? Undergo chemotherapy just so that we can stay healthy? Under, um, give birth to children so we can have a family? Invest time and energy into your children so that we can have a functional family? Maybe even give up some sleep on a Sunday morning so we can worship? The lesser mission serves the greater mission. Even if it involves pain, even if it involves suffering, the greater mission makes it all make sense. And Paul had a greater mission. Paul was motivated by Christ. And it didn't matter what he suffered. He suffered a great deal. In fact, he was in prison while he was writing this letter just for the gospel. His journeys took him far away from his home, from his little comfort zone, so he could spread the gospel. He was shipwrecked, hungry, beaten, left for dead, all for the gospel. Because Paul had a mission. And Paul's mission was Christ. To do the work that Christ sent him to do. That's what he wanted the Colossians to understand. Christ was his mission. And that brings us to his final thought. He ends the section like this. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. We know why Paul did all this. He was motivated by Christ, and now he says, this is what I'm doing. And isn't the same thing, isn't it the same thing that God wants for us? Paul wanted to present us as fully mature in Christ. The Greek he uses here is actually a word that can also mean perfect. He wanted us to know what's most important, what Christ has done for us so that we could be that holy, that blameless person before God. Paul had made his work God's work. And he tells us exactly how he does it. He strenuously contends. He's motivated by something. His mission has changed him completely. And we find out it's not just his energy, right? It's the energy Christ has worked in him. Christ is his mission. Sorry, windy there too. Christ is his mission and Christ is also his motivation. That's what he wanted the Colossians not to forget. That's what he wants us to know too. And now after these two examples that Paul puts forward, They're kind of extreme, so you might be thinking, what can we learn from these? I mean, we're talking about Jesus himself and the Apostle Paul, the greatest missionary that ever lived. With these two examples, I think we can still learn something about a mission. We can still learn something about our mission, that we too have a greater mission. We too have been called by Christ, and we learned something else. That the kind of mission we're talking about today, this greater mission, doesn't just change other people out there. It changes us. Let me say it again. That greater mission, the one we're talking about today, it doesn't just change other people. It changes us. And I didn't learn how much a mission could change people's life until a couple weeks ago. 
when I saw somebody who was truly on a mission, and that mission changed his life. And oddly enough, it happened at the incline. Now, I know I've talked to you guys about the incline before, but if you don't know, the incline is 2,800 steps straight up. The picture doesn't really do it justice because you undergo a 2,000-foot elevation gain just trying to do this. And if you're not a hiker, it's a pretty tough hike. And the one thing I learned from my first time going is don't do it with your child on your back. <laughs> Seems pretty simple, but I had to learn a hard lesson. So a couple weeks ago, my friends are in town. They're not quite used to the elevation, but last minute, we decide that we're going to do the incline because we told them how awesome it was and how hard it was. And so there I am, my second time through, with my child on my back. And so now I had a mission, though. This time was a little bit different. I had the mission of showing my friends just how awesome I was at hiking. And so I took hold of this mission, and I think I was doing a pretty good job. I was going at a decent pace. I felt great about myself. I was going to accomplish this mission and show off to my friends. And if you guys have ever been there, it's pretty motivating when you get a chance to show off to your friends. And so I was feeling good, and I was almost at the top, and I thought I was going to complete my mission no problem. But let me tell you about somebody with a real mission. You see, I thought I had a pretty great mission in my mind. Do it again with my child on my back. But about three-quarters of the way up, I saw a man who actually had a mission. It wasn't me. And as I, as I saw him, I saw that he was crawling. And I thought, maybe this is just a guy who needs a little slower pace, who needs to have some friends to encourage him. And they were all there surrounding him. And as I passed by, I realized what was going on. You see, the man had no legs. From here on down, there was nothing. And boy, didn't I feel pretty small. Thinking my accomplishments were something great, thinking my mission was something great. You see, this man was three-fourths of the way up the incline, using his own arms to lift his own weight every step of the way. And what I found out, he didn't have to look long, but every 22 steps, he was setting a coin down because he had a mission. You see, he was raising awareness for veteran suicides. And every 22 steps, he would think about the 22 veterans who commit suicide every day. This man had a mission. He had something that was motivating him to get to the top. And didn't that change everything about his life? Now his lesser mission, one that involved a challenge, one that involved some suffering and pain, was worth it. Because he had something greater. And because that mission changed his life so much, he was able to change other people's lives. I don't think anybody who passed that man at that point didn't make it to the top. He was now motivating other people. Now just imagine for a minute what it would be like if you had a mission that was even greater than that man's mission. 
if you had a mission greater than the pain, greater than the suffering, greater than any challenge that could face you. Because you see, Christ didn't just call the Apostle Paul. Christ called each and every one of you. God has given us all a mission, and that mission is greater. Just imagine what your life would be like if you woke up every morning and reminded yourself exactly what Christ has done for you, taking you, the enemies of God, and making you friends, his children. If every hour of every day you reminded yourself exactly what your mission is and how great it is, greater than anything we've seen on this earth, suddenly everything has a deeper meaning. Every decision you make goes deeper. Every conversation, a chance to boldly proclaim your faith. Every time you step out of your house, an opportunity to bring light in this dark, dark world. Every second, an opportunity for you to turn all of your pain, all of your uncertainty, all of your fears into something amazing. A complete confidence, an amazing trust in the Christ who died for you. Every day, an opportunity to do something greater because Christ is your mission. Because Christ has so completely changed your life that only now can you change someone else's life. That with Paul, you can say, I now rejoice in my suffering because Christ is our mission. Even more than that, Christ is everything. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Thank you again for today, and thank you most of all for giving us a mission, something greater. Thank you for sending your Son to show us what this mission is all about. Thank you for giving us your word to remind us exactly what that mission is, to focus us on the one who gives us motivation, your only Son. Please help us to stay faithful to you, to stay faithful to that mission, and always look to our goal, perfection with you in heaven. In your Son's name we pray this. Amen. We now continue our worship service by gathering the offering. If you're a guest or visitor with us today, you are truly our guest, and we just ask that you sign the connection card in front of you, and you can place that in the offering plate as it passes by. If you have any prayer requests, please also fill those out on the back of the um, connect cards and put those in the offering plate as well.
We have just one special prayer request um, for Devin Clark um, for good health and some answers. It sounds like he's going through some sickness. Please stand for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come before you with the mission you sent us out to do. And we ask that today after reminding us about our mission, after showing us your son, Jesus, that we might go and live it every day, be a part of the great work that you called us to do, to fulfill your word, to make you happy. Please be with us. Give us the power motivated through your son, Jesus, to do that until one day you take us home to be in heaven with you. We have a special prayer request before you today, Devin Clark. We ask that you be with him. Use your almighty power, use that mission you have to love us and take care of us, to send him good health. Be with him and also give him that comfort. Give him some answers as he might be going through an uncertain time. Answer him with your word and your confidence that only you can give. And today we also ask that as summer is winding down, as schedules might be getting busier and busier, please be with everyone that through all this busyness, through all the times that we're going through, that we might always see you, that we might always remember what you've done for us and what you have called us to do. We ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. 
And now we bring before you our private prayers and petitions. And we join together in the prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, go in peace. Live in harmony with one another and serve the Lord in gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. We'll end our worship by singing the final hymn, All the People Said, Amen. Said amen.